Slip Angle Show. It is later on a Friday. Apologize about the late start here. Uh, Austin is uh, knee deep or neck deep in Speed Ventures uh, event prep for this weekend. He's got a real job like a real boy now, and uh, we lost all his free time. Uh, he's enjoying his new RV, having a good, good old time out on the West Coast, and uh, I'm enjoying the warmth of the Midwest now uh, and also uh, working. Uh, because it's nice and warm out, even though I work when it's cold too. But uh, we've uh, we didn't record anything this week. But uh, I do have a show that Abram Schmucker, our, our Grid Life Time Attack director buddy, uh, and myself recorded in a Jeep on the way home from Grid Life uh, Kart Battle uh, out in Cincinnati, Ohio, at Full Throttle Indoor Karting, Tom O'Gorman's uh, dad's place out there. Uh, awesome event. We had a really really good time. Two different uh, super fun tracks inside of the same indoor facility. Uh, and then uh, we had a good little time. Uh, a show was released from uh, the after party at Dave & Buster's with Eric Till and I a while ago. But uh, Abram and I recorded this one on the way home. Uh, we talked mainly about his uh, one lap and time attack prepped uh, Evo 10. We talked a lot about uh, tech and his journey through modifying that car. So these are shows that I kind of enjoy. I'm going to be uh, making an effort this summer to talk more in depth uh, with drivers and stuff about actually the the tech and the build of their cars because people seem to like that. I get a lot of feedback about that when I do that, uh, so expect more of those shows. But uh, yeah, this was a, this was a fun show. Another one of those Abram and I driving in his diesel Jeep going back to some place in the middle of the night shows. I think this is probably the second or third this year of one of those. I don't know. They all kind of blur together, but um, always enjoy talking to my buddy Abe. And uh, this one is a little bit more tech-focused. Uh, we obviously didn't take his car on One Lap of America because we didn't have 10 shows from One Lap this week like we had hoped to because the turbo actually broke off of the turbo manifold uh, at Grid Life Round 1 at Mid-Ohio. So that's not that's not ideal a couple weeks before One Lap. Uh, and then you also run into the, the lack of funds and the lack of free time uh, to get it all back together. But... Uh, one of these years, we uh, we will all get to one lap. It will happen. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of slip angle uh, guest alum in the uh, in the top ten of one lap this week. It is concluding tomorrow at Tire Rack, uh, Tire Rack out in South Bend. Um, it looks like uh, our top ten uh, is it's about half slip angle guests uh, or or so, but. Uh, uh, and a lot of forum that shall not be named uh, buddies in the top ten also. Uh, congratulations to all those guys and gals. Uh, really, really hard-fought weekend. Uh, probably the hardest of which went out to uh, yeah, week, not weekend. The hardest fight seemed to go to uh, Robert Thorne and the RS Evo buddies. Robert Thorne could only drive 40 miles, I think, him and Amanda in their, uh, in their Big Bad Wolf S2000. 40 miles between fuel stops, and they drove thousands of miles. They had a fuel pump problem. The turbo manifold broke a bunch of times. They battled that thing every single stint uh, across the country, but uh, were a frequent uh, guest to the top spot in the track podium, uh, along with the RS guys who did a like a 45-minute clutch swap uh, after it died in them uh, out at uh, MSR in uh, in Texas. Um, tear it all apart, swap clutch in an Evo, miss a couple sessions, but then come out and dominate over and over and over. So. 
really, really proud of all of our friends at One Lap of America. Abe and I talk a bit about One Lap. Uh, you could tell, I think, if I remember correctly, when we were <laughs> listen, link, uh, when I, uh, thinking back to recording this, I remember having my doubts that it would happen because the car just felt so fresh. Uh, this, this day was the first time we had street driven it, uh, and I drove it from Chicago to Indianapolis, which is about three hours. Um, it did well. But it did feel like there was something that was going to break. And you just get those, you just get that feeling. I drove it back that night. I got home about 3 a.m. Uh, and it did fine. Uh, we we subsequently did an exhaust swap, nut and bolted everything, um, did about 50, 60 pounds of weight reduction. Uh, and then it broke uh, a couple of weeks before one lap or a week before one lap. But um, getting there. We're trying. One, one day we'll do one lap. But, uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the show and rate and review it on iTunes, and we'll talk to you guys soon. Driving a car with Abram Schmucker in the middle of the night. It's like our thing. We just yeah. do it hey, all the time. When you're good at something, yeah, you just keep doing it, I guess. you you got to practice, and you get better and better. It's uh, 12.15, we're, we're, we're coming back from car battle in Cincinnati, and... Yeah. Uh, we got nothing to do, so this is the perfect time to podcast. We got an hour and twenty minutes before we hit uh, Zionsville, Indiana, the domicile of yourself. So, uh, what did you think of go karts? Go karts was fun. So, uh, I'm not very fast. You and I were basically dead even time on the timesheets, and we were dead even in the middle of the pack. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, maybe like bottom third. I don't yep. know. It, some people go really fast in go-karts, and I'm not one of those people. No, but you beat me by like a tenth. That's a good yeah. job. That's something. I'm not uh, I'm not very fast at go-karts, but it's. I had a damn good time. <laughs> I'm so sore. That, uh, yeah, they uh, the the second track, their rush track, the smaller, tighter one, uh, we're at Full Throttle Indoor Karting in Ohio, um, and that track, is, that track beat up my left side. I had my keys in my left pocket, uh, and like about four laps in every time I would turn right I was an ex- or, yeah right it was excruciating pain pain in my left leg <laughs> I think the thing that I struggle with is I, I tense up and like Definitely, my, yeah. my right side right leg right arm is so beat up it feels like I've been working out only on my right side and we only did three sessions so we were in the carts for half an hour <laughs> yeah um the the uh, that track is really fun. The carts are very fast. It's a cool facility. Uh, really cool gas carts. Like so so much more fun than a lot of electric facilities that I've been to. Uh, and they were pretty even. Uh, but it was fun hanging out with you know the the crowd was. We had like fifty grid life drivers there, which was rad uh, and kind of unexpected because we were kind of going into it thinking ah we're only going to sell twenty five spots I guess and then like it filled up. Yeah, so, that's, that's great. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, and so, like you yeah, know, we, we've had a out. pretty long off season, and you know we haven't seen a ton of people since PRI, and so this was a cool time to get back together. And Ohio really isn't our demo. We've only done one event towards this way ever, right? Um, so I was I was pleased to see a bunch of uh, Indiana, Ohio, and there were some dudes from Michigan that came down. So it was pretty fun. And we went uh, went to Dave and Buster's afterwards. Uh, this will, this will probably be paired with the show I did with Eric Till from there. Um, but yeah, good times, man. I uh, I had a great time. So on the way down to your house, I drove this big white behemoth of a time attack car. You know anything about that thing? 
to your house. It's back on the road. It's uh, your car. It hasn't been driven on the street for more than like a mile. Yeah. Um, in two years. Yeah. So Abe's got this Evo ten. Evo ten. Which what what's the generation year on that? It's a thirteen. Now, what what years did they make those? Like twelve to 15? oh eight to fifteen. Those I think. are those are, they started in oh eight. They did. Yeah. I didn't know that. I think you might have told me that last time. Maybe. Um. Yeah, that's uh, that's way earlier than I thought they did. But yeah, it's uh, uh, it's a car that you did one lap of America in. Um, was that your first HPDE car? Also, it was. Yeah, I did uh, an HPDE with auto interests, uh, like maybe Labor Day weekend or something like that, uh, at Mid Ohio in 2014. Okay. And I did it on Continental all season tires, mm. and the the tires were almost new when I went out. And they, they had giant chunks of them after Mid-Ohio. And it like at that point, it was like, okay, really, I need I need better tires. This is I, – I can't afford to be just chunking out road tires. Can't burn up the Continental tires all the time, huh? Uh, no one do that. Um, so I went um, from – What kind of mods did it have at your first day? On my first day, it was like – it was a full bolt-on-ish. On a Mustang like ex- Dyno, it made like 320. Exhaust, tune, intake kind of stuff? Pretty much. Okay. Um, yeah. at, actually, at that time, it ran great. It was super reliable. Pretty um, stock-ish. Stock stock-ish. Turbo? Stock turbo? Or no? Yeah. Okay. Um, pump gas, nothing crazy. Uh, okay. Like, okay boost. And for a short period of time, it was an awesome HPD car. <laughs> Okay, and then what happened? Uh, I got the one lap bug, and I, I, my goal was to not only uh, participate, but at least attempt to compete, even with my minimal amount of experience. And so, and you said you heard about one lap from an article that Matt Farah wrote somewhere. Yeah, I, I think it was like a ten thousand word article. I mean, it was, I was at work, and I stumbled on this thing. And Online I, or what? Yeah, it was. It was on. Um, I think it was on the Smoking Tire webpage. Okay. Yeah, maybe. He's, he's ran that race a few times in a few different cars. So. Yeah. And I, I was at work, supposed to be working, and I was reading this instead. And it was it was all I could think about from that time forward. It was like, yeah, no, 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 I cool. absolutely have to do this thing. So um, It's weird how the community connects because now he comes to our events and he drinks in the RV with us. <laughs> it's weird. Like... My wife, yeah. who also listens to their podcast on occasion, she'll say, okay. "Oh my God, we had dinner with Matt Farah, and that's yeah. that's weird." <laughs> that's kind of cool. So uh, he's even he's a better dude in person than I think he presents on uh, on on YouTube and stuff too. I, I like that dude a lot. I'm glad he got you into this crap. Yeah, right. This is why I am so poor because I spend all of my money on making a big, heavy Evo try to go okay fast around a track and pay off your student loan debts. Right. <laughs> a lot of those. So the Evo, um, first event was bolt-ons. Uh, I, I kind of want to do this show mainly centered around, like, your progression through that chassis. Because um, you see a lot of them at the track with, you know, it's it's either one or the other. It's like that, you know, an exhaust, maybe a tune, uh, or it's, like, your car and, like, Dustin Rogers' car or whatever. Like, crazy, all the parts. Uh, what was the next step? Like, what was event two like? Um, event two was the same setup, but now on RE71s and okay. wider tires. Was that at uh, NCM? It was. Okay. And, like, I that's probably the track that I've done the most laps at, but the most laps on any lapping day, like, for me, 
maybe 75 laps total in that car, like yeah. at that track. Even my own number of laps at Gingerman really isn't that many. Yeah. So um, the start was like really just to try and get uh, as much experience as possible, as quickly as possible to get ready for one lap. What was, uh, what was the, the feel change from just going to bigger, wider tires and wheels? It, it was weird, right? Did you have the same suspension on it, though? At that time, yeah. Okay. So it wasn't – I didn't change to the Olin's setup until the following spring. Okay. So, like, um, the car felt great. And if you got used to driving on crappy uh, all seasons, as, as soon as you put some grippy tires on, it feels awesome. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, but it didn't take long before you, even then you were still kind of overdriving it. Like, I, I feel like I still struggle with that where you – come into a corner too hot and then you rely on the car to do more things and yep. that's a good way to just wear the shoulders off of any tires really quick on a car yeah. that heavy yeah with a car like that i mean i've driven it uh at blackhawk and gingerman a few times um and that car it seems like it can fix so many problems with all the available assets it has that you kind of gotta you really gotta drive it precisely in order to probably find all of the speed but also to probably consume the less you know the least amount of consumables definitely because um, you can go through a turn too hot and just freaking loop it right well you can loop it i did loop it one time <laughs> uh, that was a sweeper that wasn't a turn i just got that shit sideways in the dirt and stayed in it but um no it, you can go through a turn too fast and like just muscle that thing in and mat it and it'll dig its way out it will yeah. but it'll it'll basically like scrub the whole yep. time yeah and I mean, usually on on courses that run clockwise, the the driver front tire is destroyed. Yeah. Um. So uh, second uh, second event was that a weekend event or no? Just a one day thing. Um. Your NCM it was event. One day. Yeah. How did the car hold up there? Good. Totally so fine. So I that I ran with ten tenths, I think that time. Okay. They run a really strong DE program and. Um, I don't know. Uh, I ran like maybe starting in beginner and then finished the day in intermediate. And okay. their their intermediate group is like surprisingly quick. Yeah, I've heard I've heard good things about their program. Pretty, uh, really more laid back and really fast guys. Definitely. So. And so I don't know. At that time, you know, if I was running Harry's lap timer or something in the car, I might have been running two twenty eights or so at NCM. So like not not crazy fast. Um, but good street car. Good intermediate Decent pace, for yeah. a streetcar. Um, and then uh, that was right around the time that I was still going to the drag strip, just like screwing around here in Ohio. And uh, You lived in Ohio at the time? Yeah. So I lived in a suburb of Dayton at the time. And um, I started to get to know the autocross guys around there. And uh, we roasted the clutch, the factory clutch in the car um, uh, at a test and tune day at Kilcare in, in Xenia. And... That was when we started to do everything because the car was down and it didn't make sense to <laughs> to put it back together. Oh no! Only to take it apart. This so gets it, expensive. This it, is the part where it gets expensive. This is where it went crazy. Yeah. So um, at the time, I like didn't have a daily driver. The, the, the Evo was the daily driver, and I ended up borrowing my dad's truck for the better part of like eight months. Oh wow! Yeah, it was it was a really long. That's time. That's when he did the what did you do turbo build and all that stuff. Yep, all of that happened at the same time. Okay, and uh, I don't know, a lot of growing pains. We struggled a lot to get things right, and uh, yeah. So what what was the initial build on that? The uh, turbo uh, piping. Yep. Uh, 
So tuning, tur- turbo kit, stuff. tuning. Uh, I did the Olin's coilovers and which I really like, even on the street. But, they're nice. Uh, whatever you've got rate wise is pretty close to what I would do. But so um, at that time it was still on the stock motor, which meant that the car didn't make that much torque. It only made about three thirty on a uh, Dyno Dynamics, uh, but made I think it was like four thirty at the wheels on E eighty five something like that. Nothing, okay. nothing outrageous, but. That was Decently with stock, like, yeah, stock motor with a new turbo. Yeah. Yeah. And ran, um, I don't know, I'm kind of a geek for rules and things. And so after, like, the the preparation for one lap, I also started paying attention to the Grid Life rule book and uh, got a pretty clear idea early on that the car was set up in an okay fashion to do well in one of the classes. And that, that kind of set the direction for once I... Uh, make it through the one lap thing. This is what I'm going to do next. Okay. So you had your eye on, on the next thing before you even started doing one lap. Yeah. I mean, I knew that like, what was that? 2016 was going to be the year where I tried to do everything. And so I like all of my resources and all of my credit cards and like everything (laughs) went toward putting a car together to do both grid life track battle and one lap. Your poor wife. Oh, man. She's a very understanding. What woman. a nice lady! I like Ashley a lot. <laughs> um, so you did uh, all that—that that was the way that it was. You ran Grid Life uh, uh, 2016, also the same exact setup as One Lap. Definitely. Okay. Just different tires. Um. So after, was it after One Lap of America? Um. The car sat on jack stands for two months, basically, before it was ready to take to Gingerman uh, because at that time round one was our Midwest festival and um, the the things that I learned about one lap at least on my car was that there's there's really only two conditions for a bolt to exist Uh, it either needs to have anti-seize or it needs to have Loctite and you're not going to know which one it needs until you make the mistake yeah so it's a pretty smart way to look at it actually I've never thought about that we ended up losing like the front motor mount on the car it was just gone uh, it fell off the car. It just fell off. Well, that's um, cool. Because we were, where were we? Uh, at Audubon, basically on the second to last day, yeah. the car has uh, like a solid motor mount, uh, and it just vibrates at idle. Yeah. And at Audubon, after the event was over, the car like was plush. And I was like, well, there's something about this doesn't feel right. Yeah. But by that time, we were exhausted, and so we didn't really care. And when I ended up getting back to my house and I started to look things over, I just noticed the motor mount was gone. And it had just basically unthreaded itself and fell off somewhere. <laughs> you don't know where that happened? No, no, no. Well, that's cool. <laughs> just disassembled itself. No big deal. That'll happen. Uh, any other growing pains during one lap? Like what? Uh, little uh, stuff, big stuff? We struggled with uh, trailers. So um, You said you were towing a trailer first and then... Yeah, so we had like one of those uh, tiny U-Haul aerodynamic trailers. Teardrop kind of thing. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah whole lot of space we blew two tires on the same side of the trailer on the same day basically how fast were you going i don't know 70 ish i mean not not crazy fast it was yeah uh where were we going we were going from pit race to palmer and we were in pennsylvania and i i we we suspect that the car just like the the trailer wasn't tracking straight yeah and it was just scrubbing tires because there was no problem at all from south bend uh 
through like pit race car ran or the trailer ran fine and then on that second day something happened and it just it went downhill yeah and we struggled with trailer stuff for the rest of the the, the time and we ended up leaving a whole bunch of our stuff with friends both in kentucky and in indiana uh <laughs> so that we could make a cargo basket work yeah because we had too much gear and so you put you you had a a giant U-Haul trailer for like a day, right? It was a five by eight, and we pulled it like through the, the Appalachians. It was like it was a moving yeah. trailer. Let's go. Let's go to the dorm room trailer. You know, it was silly. And uh, there's a picture of me and my co-driver sitting on top of it, and it's probably twice the height of the it's Evo. It's a really big trailer, and the Evo is for, really tall. Yeah, for for a trailer that you tow behind a one lap car, it's a big trailer. Uh, so the cargo basket, uh, you you said that uh, uh, we need to reinforce the hitch. Why do we need to reinforce the hitch? We, when we dropped a bunch of stuff off in Louisville, we still loaded down some gas cans and stuff on the cargo basket, and we made it from Louisville to Indianapolis before we had some more car trouble, and we noticed that when we were in the parking lot working on stuff, that the basket was basically touching the ground. You said you had, uh, you told me earlier, you had a V-band issue with one of the clamps or something? Yeah, it was it was one of those things where, um, you know, if the depth of the V in the V-band isn't perfect. Yeah. It will seat without getting snug. Yeah. And and as soon as that clamp gets hot, it will... Um, deform. Start to deform or crack or whatever, and then you have a pre-turbo leak yeah. in the manifold, and that is terrible. Yeah, that would be a problem. So we were on one of our longest stints from NCM up to Road America, and it took us, I don't know... Uh, we left maybe three o'clock, and by the time we got to Road America, it was three or four a.m. Jeez! And so we we ended up sleeping in the car at the track in front of the main gate uh, for like two hours uh, before the gate opened up, and we just went in and did that next day. Yeah. And like that sort of adventure, excruciating, anything can go wrong situation is what what really like typifies one lap and why it's a challenging event. What, uh, as far as parts choices, before we get away from uh, the build of the car, what do you have all done to the car? You've got, you said, Olin's coilovers. Uh, you talked about power numbers. What else did you do as far as clutch, uh, turbo, so it's, stuff? Uh, it's a clutch from South Bend Clutch. Uh, they are local uh, to me growing up, and yeah. um, they My made brother a, runs when I hit their a really nice setup. Uh, they've been really generous in supporting me in our program for a few years now, even when when I had no success and really just it was it was a cool idea. Hey, I want to do this. Um, are you interested in supporting? And they said, yeah, absolutely, especially since you're a local guy. Is it a uh, single disc? Yeah. Um, it's been great. Uh, yeah, I like the feel of it. We had it refreshed uh, when I put the car back together this year, and... They said the, I mean, it was showing almost nowhere, and you, uh, they gave me a new disc just just because. But they they said just continue to drive it like you are; it'll last forever. Yeah. What so, kind of what kind of material is that? Is that their ferramic kind of material? Or? It's, I I'm not a clutch expert. It's like the it's like the ceramic y type one. It's not a six puck disc, but it has like eight or ten pucks yeah, really yeah. small ones um, i think that's the same material my brother runs it might be yeah um and, and i think he said uh this is a while back but i remember him talking about the hotter it gets the better it grabs too that might be but, true um 
No, they, they make a lot of clutches now. I, I remember him talking to them 10 years ago, uh, and they were like the only one that could make a clutch for his applications. So. Yeah, it's it's not too heavy. It's still kind of a I mean, semi-custom clutch shop still. All of the all of the decisions around building that car were, you know, what what can I do that'll make it better for one lap? Yeah. yeah. And um, so I, I got a, a turbo setup from CBRD Speed Factory in Pennsylvania. They had a compact open scroll uh, Borg Warner EFR 7163 kit yeah. uh, where you could still run factory heat shields and you could do some things that like not everyone wants to do if they're building a time attack car but if the goal is to make it reliable like you want heat shields in place because those prevent your car from burning out. Potentially. Um, potentially, yeah. So, um, <laughs> Nothing pretend prevents your car from burning down except for not using it but you never know. That's never right. Know. So, um, so far so good. Like, yeah, I, I said the car made about 4.30 at the time, and yeah. it, it ran really well. And I would say that the weakest point in the development of the car was me, um, where on, on tracks that I wasn't familiar with, during one lap in 2016, it rained, I think, four or five days out of seven. Oof. And that was my first um, real rain driving experience, especially driving in the rain at pace. And we were at... Palmer in Massachusetts and I was out of my mind afraid of the situation because you're basically driving up and down a mountain yeah like they they blast the track out of a mountain with dynamite yep. Like yep. it was crazy yeah if you haven't if anybody hit listening hasn't uh, seen uh, in-car footage of Palmer and some pictures you need to go look it up because it's a hairy place it's very very cool it's very unique um, but it's also pretty scary looking like it's a there's a ton of elevation change. And Absolutely, it's literally a mountain. Like, look off to the side, and there's a mountain. Down and there. the, uh, there's like yeah. Armco on the yep. other side. Yep. It's it's a tight place with not a lot of tolerance for screwing up. Yeah. And so. And you've uh, never driven there before. No. Yeah. And I, you know, you come down and and they call it the main straight, but it's basically like an arc. Yeah. And in the rain, I was doing about 115. Oof. Uh, going through this arc at start finish. Yeah. And there's standing water at start finish. What? Uh, uh, and that was like a brand new track at the time, right? Yeah, it was brand new. They had almost no facilities. What tires up. were you on at one lap? It was an RE71. How were, how 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 did they hold up tread wise over a week? Uh, at least at my pace, they were um, plenty good. good. I I mean I actually the one lap tires are still on it right now. Oh, those are the tires I drove on. Yeah, yeah they're so, pretty good still. Yeah, they're. I mean, they're they're worn down, and we've done. We did, uh, yeah, we did some. We did uh, Blackhawk on it twice, yeah, yeah. like DE sessions for two days, and they're still. They might have a little bit of life in them, but oh. I flip them when I can and use pretty them. even wear too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think getting the setup and getting the alignment done right is the best way to you know preserve your tires for an event. What like have that. you played with as far as alignment settings uh, during the one lap and during uh, grid life season that you ran? Not as much as I think you could. Um, toe in the rear is basically set to zero. Front toe is pretty much zero. Yeah. And camber on the front is we're just getting almost as much as we can, right? It's about it's three degrees. Three right? and a half, some, three, yeah. three and a half, something like that. Um, and whatever the case, because the car is so heavy up front, I, I don't think it matters. You just need as much as you can get. And you need it to wear pretty evenly so and it seems to be wearing pretty evenly so you got a pretty decent contact patch but yeah um all right so you, so then you uh you did okay at one lap you made it through did you win your class or second place no i got second place to rs okay. motors right so those guys are um 
monsters. I don't know. They were role models for me. Scary monsters in Evos. Uh, in that, I saw them uh, in their first shot at one lap in 2015, and I was watching the the numbers yeah. all week and saying, "Oh man, this this team that's like never been to this event before is driving Evo, and they're they're amazing. They're doing really well." Yeah. And so, uh, one lap starts and ends in at Tire Rack in South Bend. Yep. And so, uh, I was in Chicago at the time, or Dayton maybe. But I just I just drove to the finish. I wanted to go talk to those guys and just tell them how awesome they were. Oh, that's right. And like, I got a chance to talk to Andy and Brandon and Ronnie, and they were the nicest people ever. And I said, Hey, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna run with you next year. I'm gonna be back. And we we stayed in touch, and they kind of coached me through a few things, and um, now they're awesome friends. Yeah, so, now they're time attack buddies too. So, um, uh, the. Uh, the car held up aside from like small issues what yeah. the, besides the hitch bending uh, and some V-band stuff what else did you deal with that week? <sighs> really almost nothing Just I mean, for the most part the car ran great sleep You're... was the, the hard part um, you and I were talking on the way here that it's if you're if you're picking a co-driver it's it's difficult to describe how important it is to, to get someone you trust right because being able to sleep in the car when you're not racing or like in your if you're in a transit stint and you're not driving yeah and you, gotta, transit you have is, to sleep transit's like most of that event yeah yeah so um being able to just you know jump in the back seat and crash is is hugely important and uh, i guess i was lucky enough to have my dad in the car ashley was in the car and my co-driver and all of us except for ashley kind of shared the driving stints and uh, it made it so that when when I needed to sleep, I could just go in the back and. That's crash. so many people in an Evo. Yeah, it, it was it was tight. It, <laughs> it was, was really so, tight. And all your stuff. Right. Oh man. But it made for an adventure. It was it something get, like it, it I will like never a... ever forget. Yeah, that I believe year. that. I feel claustrophobic thinking about that much stuff in an Evo. Well, <laughs> remember that, like, uh, you know, the the passenger or the the rear has a bench seat. Yeah. But we had crap in the middle. Um, between the, the 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 two passengers in the rear, and so they were cramped all the way around, everywhere, and we we managed. I, uh, it seems too claustrophobic. I can't think about it. It gives me uncomfortable feeling. <laughs> I feel like the room is closing in on me. But um, remember that the Evo is huge. It's so. a big car. It is a big girl. Um, so uh, how did the car do at, uh, at Grid Life uh, in 2016? It did well. I did okay. Um, the thing that I have to remind myself is I like, I did good. I, I won the street modified class in 2016, but there was a, a substantial step change in performance between 2016 and 2017, and the the rate at which other drivers have developed. Um, it's gotten a little out of hand. It's it's crazy. It's so, turning into racing all of a sudden. Yeah, like it's a real thing, and um, people are are putting it on their calendar as part of their annual racing plan. Or as the entire racing plan, yeah. Uh, what uh, what mods have you or what mods did you make that year? Did you just run it as was, just as was, two fifty five tires and go? Yep, okay. and did did decently well. Like I ran a a forty point eight at Gingerman, mm -hmm. and uh, I lost to Michael Vita, um, yep. another RS guy. All those guys are crazy good, um, but we were basically one two in street mod overall that year. Yeah. Yep. And 
this year a 40.8 wouldn't have put you anywhere near the podium at all. Yeah, what's the street mind record there now? A 30... I think it's a 36. I think Yonkers did it a 36. This 36.9 maybe? It's ridiculously fast. (laughs) For for a car on street tires, that's crazy. A car that you can drive to the track, yeah. That's very, very fast. Um, On on the street tires. It's not on Hoosiers. You don't swap them when you get there. Um, And to think that that is probably not the pointy end of development yet. I mean, there are seconds more coming. I think uh, so. Yeah. Um, the uh, so this winter, you know, you, you did fine in, uh, in good life. You won the season long. Um, then you got a, a crazy bug up your butt last winter, or last winter, to put rods and pistons in the car. Yeah. So I, I ran a compression test, and like I, uh, the compression wasn't low on any one cylinder, uh, but it was just like the motor was tired. It had been run pretty hard for an extended period of time, and I just decided that I was going to do the motor swap. And the only way that I could afford doing it was, like, make the decision to step away from being a driver to fix it or attempt to cobble it together and run another year. Yeah. And I knew that because I wasn't, I'm not, like, a real mechanic. Yeah. Uh, the only way that I was ever going to take the time to, like, learn yeah. was to clear my calendar and say, look, the car will come back together when it's when it's done, I'm not going to plan anything. You tossed yourself deep into, I'm going to take this entire car apart. Yeah. Okay. So, um, uh, and, and, and coincidentally, you also kind of volunteered to help run time attack for me. <laughs> and you know what? Like, I, I think I've said on the podcast before that the time was right for that because, um, because of that step change in performance, it also meant that we, we had to be as pro as the yeah. drivers that were coming to our events. Yeah, it can't just be Adam herding cats because it's not grid life year two anymore. Adam needs help. Um, yeah, so you kind of uh, stepped up to help me. Um, after having a bunch of input throughout the season, yeah, it was kind of like, hey, Abe wants to help. Abe, you want to help? And all of a sudden, Abe's helping. Uh, so that kind of took the place of uh, you driving in 2017 for you. Um, yeah. You got um, the car back together when? In like mid July, it was ready-ish around July. Um, yeah. And what kind of power did it make? And four, has it made four eighty on a dyno jet? Yeah. Uh, at that time, and we were still running into problems. Um, so not much more. Not a whole lot. No, yeah. uh, the car's never really made great torque. Uh, I think now it only makes like four ten torque. At Seems the wheels. insane to me, but I'm a Honda nerd. So. Well, I mean, like some of the the. Evo nines with small turbos and you know stroker setups might make more than 500 easily. Yeah, yeah. So, so what were the issues uh, right after the built motor? Um, the first time you drove it after the after the initial tune was at uh, Blackhawk Track Day Picnic. Yeah. So uh, with Gridley. Um, like basically, when you would roll into throttle, uh, the car would buck and shake, and you, it, it, as soon as it got into boost, the AFRs would go crazy lean, and the car would misfire and it was a problem that didn't show up on the dyno for whatever reason. And, uh, Andy Smetigard and I ended up working on it for quite a while. And then magically, and I, I mean this magically, it started working at least for a little while. Yeah. I drove it. And it was so fast. What, what's weird though, is, uh, as soon as I got it home and the weather cooled off a little bit, it, it got just as bad. Like, like we had never even touched it. Okay. And, um, 
Yeah, so what was the theorized problem that you ran into? You we, were still stock fuel system, right? Yes. Okay. So it, well, kind of. It, it had a, a radium surge tank in the trunk uh, okay. with a Wabro 450 in there, and then um, a, I think it was an AEM 320 lift pump in, in the main tank. And because of some old development, uh, the, the hanger in the tank was, was pretty banged up and, and botched, and it, it was just kind of the, the pump itself was just resting inside the tank. But what we speculated was that the pressure from all of that fuel delivery uh, basically made it so that it was almost impossible to tune because base pressure would be like 70. Yeah. On, and an OEM car is like 43 or so. Yeah. Uh, because so much of the fuel is being sent through the return. As soon as you got into power, that flow restriction through the small quarter-inch factory return goes away. And so now you have a, a moving target for pressure. Yeah. And so uh, I, I talked with um, fabricators at, at Fat House, and I said, look, this is what I want to do. Here's what I think the problem is. Let's, let's do this the right way, uh, and we're going to run new lines, dash six, forward and back, so that... The fuel pressure, regardless of the amount of fuel we ask for, is always going to be stock. Yeah. And they do pro work, and it was a pro price tag, but uh, I think the, the level of execution and the results since then kind of speak for themselves, where the car uh, instantly made another, I don't know, 45 wheel horsepower or so on E85. So you're 100 up of, of the original... 480 or 430 yeah. or whatever. 430, yeah. yeah. And it also jumped from the pump gas tune, which was previously about 360. Yeah. It jumped to 470. <laughs> That's so much. And and I my tuner, Corbin Johnson, I, I talked to him, and he's like, no, no, the car just wanted to make power. Like, as soon as you today, fixed that like fuel setup, the car ran great. <laughs> yeah. So um, Adam... Was, I finally got the bodywork repaired and like a few things, uh, you know, from an on-track collision fixed, and and now uh, it's basically been sitting at your place. Yeah, for the last week. And because you needed a, a vehicle to get down to my house so that we could uh, carpool to car paddle, you were bold enough to drive it. Yeah. No, well, you've never driven on the on the road, and yesterday you were like, "Why don't you just drive it?" I was gonna just grab my brother's beater because I don't technically have a street car because I don't really need one in my daily life uh and you were you said just drive it and i was like yeah we do need to put street miles on it if we're going to do one lap this year or next year um and so i put the first real street miles on it and kind of fell in love with the car a little bit <laughs> not like, gonna lie it, it does what it is designed to didn't do really want to well. get out of it and get into the jeep like kind of didn't want to because it was pretty fun and it drives nice on the highway um the uh you can tell it's heavy, but man, is it fast! Oh, at, at Blackhawk especially, I think what what you'll take away is that it hides how big it is. Yeah, it drives smaller than it feels. So they're very interesting cars. Uh, this is the only all-wheel drive car I've ever driven on track. Um, it's is it the highest power car you've ever driven on uh, track? Not highest power to weight, but highest power. Yeah. Um, my Civic had 400 some wheel horsepower and 2,000 pounds, so it, it had more ro cool. it had more rolling power. But like, it couldn't come out of a turn like that car. Your so, Civic, your your uh, your Evo comes out of a turn like 
I mean, it's it's you, weird. It's a non-event. Uh, coming out of the keyhole at Mid Ohio, like just being able to mat the the throttle to the floor and just let the car sort the rest out is is a weird thing. Like, yeah. It just it it's weird. The the I've never had a car that even my even my Civic my CRX STL car like. There were times where you know you stab the gas and you're not going anywhere because coming out of a turn just right inside you know you're spinning tires a little bit. Um, well, and that car, that you, nothing Austin like and that. I, um, at the end of 2016, 16. Spe- it, it was called Special Stage Round mm-hmm. what Four. That we year, had uh, a rainy couple of days at Gingerman and no one was putting down like seriously fast times because of the weather, uh, but. The three of us sessioned that car at that time. Yeah, you ran Time Attack, and, like, I ran Instructor, and then, like, Austin ran Intermediate or something. Um, I think we burned, what, 40 gallons of E85 or something? Yeah, it was was a a lot. A drum. Um, But the tires on it were toast, and we were just enjoying the rain. And, like, there there were periods of time where you were in the car, and we're we're sitting passenger, and the... To, to get the car to go fast was opposite of what you'd expect yeah. for a front-wheel drive car, where yep. if the car's had, not turning in, you myself. need to yep. get on the throttle. Yep, I had to reteach myself to drive that car because it was the first all-wheel drive car I ever drove. And I've really barely driven any rear-wheel drive stuff either. I've got, like, 250 days of driving front-wheel drive cars on track and, like, one day of driving rear-wheel drive and, like, two days now of all-wheel drive. Um, the... the there was nothing more satisfying though than like connecting the the three four five six seven combo with slides in the, in that car like matting through the kink at like three four it's uh, silly and the car is kind of pushing off but like rotating and then uh, just letting that rotation carry stabbing the brakes into five and then matting it and it comes around a little bit more and up onto the concrete on the right hand side. And then kind of let it straighten out and just keep that rotation all the way through the big sweeper at six seven. Well, that was like <laughs> so also great. when um, like spec fit was kind of getting started, and yeah, all the buddies were sessioning spec fits in front of us, and we pass them all. And the rate at which we would pass a Honda Fit in the rain coming out of a corner there, was was out of control. There's a little bit, and the car was kind of beat up at the time because the the quarter panel had gotten hit, and there was no rear bumper, and it was just belching flames at shift. Uh, and there's there's video. I forget whose footage it was. It's Brad. Um, yeah, we passed him so fast, like, <laughs> and then <laughs> and obviously we're geez. both we're both entering the corner. I think it was three, and and you're like in the middle of a drift, and yeah. Yeah. as the car just hooks up and we just rocket out of that corner. It was it yeah. was rad. On, on bald tires with all wheel drive and 450 horsepower at the time or whatever. It was so fun. Um, that was one of the more exciting. Uh, sessions I've ever had in a car just because it was so different and new. And when you get that, those new different sensations on track, especially after so much repetition and you're really trying to like sharpen a sword of one thing for years, you know, right. where you can just do something totally different, but it's the same. You're still, you're still steering a car and shifting with your feet and stuff, but really changing it up so much. I, I really enjoyed that. I thought that was just so cool. Um, but now the car makes another 100 horsepower. Uh, yeah. And you've got all these plans for it. And I've got plans for it now, too. Um, so we're talking about um, r- trying to find uh, good ways to remove weight from the car. Without um, making it a junky car. 
Yeah, yeah. like it at the moment, it's it's actually kind of nice, and I don't know that it'll ever be a, a like a pure road car anymore, only because you've got so much development time and money into it that like if anything ever happened to it, it would destroy me uh, because I couldn't replace it. Yeah, yeah, and. Um. So, and you don't want to attack it with sawzalls and hole and hole saws and plasma cutters either, and make it just a chunky track rat car either, right? Uh, because it does the road car stuff so well, right? So you're kind of in between road car, uh, race car, um, and you really want to do one lap again, but you also have ambitions of seeing uh, a certain pro driver uh, wheel the snot out of it with great so. hair. Yeah. Uh, and some great sunglasses too. Blue sunglasses. So, uh, yeah. Well, uh, my my current plans are take it back to Chicago and do as much um, unnoticeable weight reduction as I can. And I have a even before getting the seats, I think we can get a hundred to one hundred fifty pounds out of it. Um, if we can get us uh, some some nice FIA buckets or whatever or one, uh, I think you could pull a lot of weight out of the car. But uh, those yeah. those seats are comfy, but they're heavy. But definitely. Um, and then uh, I've got some aero plans, so I uh, yeah I think it's gonna be a fun build. I'm looking forward to tinkering with this thing for you with you for a year. So. I you know what I at least in the street modified class so there have been cars even last year that were way faster than I was in 2016. However, now that I'm in this more admin sort of role and I'm really looking at the rules almost every day. I don't know that there's any car that is close to the limit of potential in that class. Yeah. And so the, I guess the next challenge for me isn't to try and come back and be a faster driver. It's, well, how fast could a car go in the hands of the right driver and in the, like, with the right setup? Yeah, almost a bit of an experiment uh, because you've already got it um, and it's already kind of built that way. Like, how fast could we make this car uh, without dumping metric tons of money in? Uh, just by adding lightness and driver mod. Yeah, so, right. Uh, and then maybe uh, maybe take it out west to a to a uh, to a lap battle thing out there uh, in California. A lot of a lot of ideas. So. Yeah, it'll really just depend on uh, you know how budgets work out and yep. what we what we ultimately decide we want to do. Yeah, we're kind of uh, we're you know, we got a little bit of development to talk about uh, and to do. Um, and then maybe some program assembly as far as who's who's going to maybe help us accomplish some of these things. But uh, I freaking like the car. I like it a lot more today than I did this morning. Right. Uh, but well, uh, frankly, I'm ecstatic that the car even made it to I, Indianapolis. I, like what, that you, was a wild card. I didn't know that it was gonna work. I hoped it would have, but I yeah. wasn't sure. I, I, I fired it up and hadn't ran in a week. It'd been in the shop for a week up on the lift, and I'm just kind of staring at it, getting ideas, you know. Uh, and so I fired it up, and I hadn't heard it run since Blackhawk. And I thought, oh, the car does sound good. It doesn't stink that much, you know. It doesn't smell like oil that much. I brought it to my house. I pull into my house, you know, a block away. I shut it off. And I think, all right, well, we'll see if it starts again in a minute. And then I got, you know, fired it back up again. It didn't stink. No leaks yet. Uh, loaded loaded stuff up, and uh, I was getting on the highway. I'm thinking, this is a terrible idea. This car hasn't driven anywhere. It's literally done seven, maybe ten laps of Blackhawk in, like, two dyno sessions in two years. And I'm going to drive it to Indy. This is a terrible idea. <laughs> but, but once I got on the highway, it was pretty solid, man. Uh, uh, Will at Apex built the motor, and it seems good. Yeah, uh, the, and your the tuner seems like he knows what he's doing. was actually... Um, I, I, 
everything is always on a budget for every racer. And yeah. I was especially on a budget because belt motors were expensive. And um, we were able to put basically like with cams and springs and uh, pistons and rods and, a, you know, doing the, the uh, like boring out the cylinders or at least polishing them a little bit and um, decking and doing all that stuff. I think I got a, a fully assembled long block built motor for I don't know 2500 bucks it's pretty reasonable so like it's basic pistons basic rods but the, I mean the build wasn't so fantastic that um, you just it did that needed stuff for strength really. wild stuff it just needed to be better than stock what did what did you end up doing uh, cam valve spring wise uh, it's GSC um, S1s so I, I talked to Greg Kalutis for quite a long time about set up and he's a one lap guy as well and he, he understands or he understood what we were trying to do and he, he told me that the S2 cam is is the popular one uh, they basically outsell S2s to S1s I think something like 10 to 1 Okay. Um, because they always show better performance on the dyno but he said for what you're doing and really what you're going after the transient response and, and just the overall drivability of the S1s is superior What's the life frame, lifetime like on uh, valve springs and stuff? Like, what kind of time frame do you need to start worrying about those things? No idea. No? <laughs> I have no Wor idea. Worry about it when it breaks? Yeah, so uh, actually you were talking to me this morning. Um, this is my ignorance. Like, I'm not, I'm not as deep into this as some people. And so I put synthetic in just to break it in. And it, it had no road miles on it. It went straight from the builder into the car, onto the dyno, on to, straight to Blackhawk. <laughs> yep. There's there's a there's an old rule like don't break your motor in on synthetic, and Abe's motor broke in on synthetic and it seems pretty good. So well, we'll see. Um, at the <laughs> it, moment, it did have oil consumption issues a little bit at Blackhawk, but like not consumption but smoking issues. Uh, and we definitely want to make a little bit of breather changes because under boost that thing is like not vented at all because of PCV valves and the way you've got it routed. So I'm gonna make those changes, but. Um, it didn't lose. Where was the oil at when we checked it at your house when I got there? It was there? right on the line, like perfect. Right at full? Yeah, yeah if it, if it was oil, right at so. full uh, when you left, then it was yep. exactly the it same. It might have been just a tick above full. I'm not sure, but it was right at full pretty much. It might yeah. have been on the high side of full, but um, I'll find out when I get home how much it uses, I guess. Um, but no, that uh, yeah, typically that's kind of the, you know, the... The uh, the rule of thumb is break it in on dyno oil or break in oil, but uh, it seems to work. So it didn't didn't kill the motor running it on synthetic, and it's really clean oil till still. Uh, it's the stuff is like like looks like water still, super clean. Um, so yeah, good job. So good job screwing I mean, things up. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I guess I've been really lucky. Like for if you have design requirements like this, you know, it's. I don't want to say it's easy to build a car that can run uh, drag passes really quick. It's not. Uh, but uh, there are a lot of shops that do that kind of work really well. Yeah. And so when you bring a different challenge, like, no, I need to build a road car, road race car that can do five to 10,000 street miles as well, and it needs to do it reliably, and it has to work 100% of the time. But it can't only have 380 horsepower. It's, it's like, a, it's a different design challenge. Yeah. And, um, well, really, do you remember the old uh, uh, sports uh, sport compact car ultimate street car challenge? 
I think so. Like, long time ago. That was uh, every year they had a challenge, and it was basically like you know people would apply, and they're looking for an all-around streetcar, like nice, um, decently engineered, uh, drag strip, autocross, um, road race, uh, and the cars that won were. They were never the 980 horsepower Supra. It was always like the the sorted car that did you know did the fuel economy drive and didn't break and uh, but was still really fast. Yeah. Um, and that's a hard car to build, man. Uh, and your car does it pretty good. I I've got very very few complaints and I've driven it more miles than you have in the last couple of years, I guess. That is true. So, um, that, that that's uh. Yeah, it's it's totally out of my wheelhouse, but I'm kind of I'm kind of uh, I'm definitely in like with the car. I'm close to being in love with the car. Definitely well, in. You know, like. we're we're always going to be chasing um, RS Motors, and they they kind of set the standard for performance and reliability and um, optimization and getting the most out of their Evo 9 RS chassis. No. And we're there aren't that many people doing that kind of thing for an Evo 10. And so yeah. uh, it wasn't as simple as going onto the forum and just looking at build examples. Yeah, I know you're not that, looking like, at a formulaic build. Yeah. Chris Worth in, in New York has done um, one lap a few times and been really successful in that. But I think even that was, it might have been stock turbo. So it was modest uh, in large degree and he just drove the wheels off of it. So yeah. trying to get what I wanted um, there wasn't a formula. There wasn't a resource, and so we've we've maybe made a lot of mistakes, but we've also learned a lot. No, it, uh, it. I think it's cool to see somebody, and that's why I wanted to talk about like your journey through this certain chassis and kind of a chassis that a lot of people don't look at yet because it's still such a new car. Um, yeah. And they're like, are I mean, they're not a warranty, cheap chassis to start know? with. I mean, yeah, not yet. When I think about how much I have in the Evo, just in time and dollars. Um, yeah, maybe I could have bought a ratty radical and just been taking that to grid life and having fun with that. Yeah, um, competing but you against couldn't nobody do though. that in one lap, so that would be yeah. the goal was to build a car that was competent for that. No, I I think you did a pretty good job. So, but uh, yeah, uh, any uh, any advice you would give somebody trying to tackle a non-formulaic build? Do your homework. I mean, I, I spent so much time reading, and it probably wasn't enough. There are people um, in the community that know um, how to do this well, yeah. and and it starts by talking to them. And that, like, when I started talking with RS, my my own knowledge expanded uh, a whole lot pretty quickly, um, and I, I began to understand that like the the high power cars aren't going to be the ones that do the best, mm -hmm. and if a car is going to break, it's probably going to break on transit. More, more than likely, the cars run okay um, on the track. And so how do you design um, reliability in mind? Because uh, within the one-lap community, it's, it's pretty well understood that Evos have a reputation for blowing up on Tuesday, which is <laughs> pretty early on in the event. And that is because <laughs> people have a tendency to overtune them or like... Yeah. Uh, wind them a little too tight and then they just blow up and then you're stuck yeah and that happens um so uh, you know when when you're talking to your tuner and you say i need this this and this one of those things is like th no this needs to be modest enough so that it can be driven at 10 tenths and it's it's still within the confines of like reliable yeah 
Uh, it's an interesting build. I uh, I like it. It's not uh, it's not what I've played with forever, so it's kind of it's kind of a fun challenge for me to look at a car that's so different and think, what would I do uh, within the? Because we're looking at multiple rule sets. We're looking at GTA. We're looking at Grid Life, and we're looking at um, one lap, which the rule set is basically make it um, uh, make it reliable. Um, and so uh, it's uh, I think it's going to be a fun thought experiment too, and and challenge to play with for for a year with you so well like the, uh, the as far as the schedule goes um, I think what we're doing right now is really just taking our time and uh, trying to not rush anywhere and just make sure that if we're going to do something we do it to the best of our ability and the car is thoughtfully designed and well executed and yeah. that means sometimes things take time and we'll just see how the schedule go- allows well realistically you've got a big hurdle done whereas uh, we've got a semi-proven reliable car so far so that's something put some tires on it and it's one lap ready right now um, sure um along with you know a weekend of weight reduction and stuff like that uh, but uh so we've got a lot of plans formed just a matter of where do we go from here and can we afford to do one lap so well and i've been uh talking currently to you're Mike. registered for one lap i am yes um, this year i have a i have a pl- uh, uh, placeholder i guess okay um but I've been talking with Mike from Professional Awesome, who who you guys many will know from Time Attack, is as building a really elite, unlimited class car, uh, and I've been talking to him about the development of a of a one lap effort and saying, look, okay, well here are the design considerations and they're different. How could we get as much potential out of aero design as possible while still remaining a true street car? So we can't have a splitter that's crazy big or crazy low. Yeah. And. Um, he seemed really intrigued in the idea just because it's a new challenge. Yeah, it's different. It's not an unlimited car. It's not a full drag car. Um, it's got to do a lot of things. Uh, and it's also got to be able to, like, smash into curbs. Uh, and like, or, or drive over a speed bump, yeah, even. And How many time attack cars at the high end could go over a speed bump? And, and not have to, like, get out and fix things for half an hour. You know, zip tie everything back together, uh, TIG weld things to fix them, you know. So it's, it's different. It'll be fun. So, where can uh, where can people check out uh, uh, your uh, your build? You've done some articles for Tracktune.com. Uh, yeah, I have a I have a spot in the mm, one of the navigation menus yeah. for for Tracktune, and I I don't write there as much as I'd like uh, because I, I find myself working, taking time. Yeah, we're working on eventually doing that more, but right now we're we're all doing too many jobs. But so but, uh, on occasion, I write stuff for the Gridlife website, yeah. and I. Uh, am an enthusiast of time attack in a in a spectator capacity as much as I was a driver as well. So like my position as director allows me to really engage with drivers and talk about stuff and see what's going on at the pointy end of competition yeah. and I don't have to empty my wallet while I do it. So not as much. No. Um you still manage to find a way to do that, but uh, uh I think that happens to anybody that has a performance automobile and uh, and a desire to uh, make it perform more even if you're not using it currently. <laughs> yeah, right. So, um, so yeah, it uh it it's been uh, it's been it's been a fun year. We had a good time uh doing events together. Uh and anybody who needs uh to chat about time attack things, uh be it, you know, ideas for anything or suggestions for one lap or uh grid life questions. What's your what's your grid life email? It's abrin at grid.life. Um on Facebook as well, and people just usually find me out of the blue and ask real life questions. They'll yeah. ping me on Messenger or whatever. Yeah. But 
Uh, we try to answer official ruling questions on uh, through email just so we have record of the conversation yep. and we can kind of keep track of stuff. And we, and we do that together so that we're, we kind of keep each other accountable and we can bounce answers off and make sure, did I screw that answer up? Uh, what's your opinion on this? So if you, yeah, if you want an official ruling, shoot it to Abrin or myself, Adam at Group.Life, or both of us. And then you know, if, before we send something back, we, uh, we run it by the other person. So uh, it's got to be in writing. We don't answer anything official in Facebook Messenger, though, because it's not trackable, saveable really so, so. Um, yeah this is something like um, you and I will talk almost every day uh, for extended periods about rules and when rules get released we're, we're before then we're putting in tens of hours Gosh, to hundreds of hours of, of work it's, it's almost mind-numbing just thinking okay uh, should we tighten that one up because you can do this and that and but we also don't want to tighten it up and make it a 50-page rule book so it's uh, but it almost seems like invariably someone will ask a question in an unusual way or they'll th be thinking about yeah. something weird cover and we've basics. just never thought about that particular situation. Even it's though we tried. Like you, you look at all the rules and you're like, right, how could you wreck that? How could you wreck everything with this rule? How could you torture that? Um, and what is a factory performance this or that? Uh, is it the Ford performance wing that looks an awful lot like an APR that you can still buy, you know? Uh, well, and I, I still feel really <laughs> strongly that with the right competitor, there is a Corvette that could easily win every class. Yeah, a Corvette's got a pretty good chassis to start with. I also think, though, with the right competitor, there's a Miata out there that could win almost every class. That's probably true. Maybe not I, HPD, I think it would be Maybe not street, but, uh, man, look what those Miata guys did on the West Coast. Yeah, uh, right. Super Lab Battle this year. Uh, I, think, I think there's... There's so many uh, potential ringers, uh, especially when you have an open rule set like Time Attack. But well, And to me, that's the fun part because um, our, our Time Attack series is still a builder series. And yeah, very much so. There, there are cars that work better than others, but at the same time, almost any car can be made competitive with the right concepts. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, it's really about planting tires uh, correctly, doing setup, and adding power, and then driving it correctly. Um, yeah. Uh, and we don't restrict a lot of things like a lot of regular race series, you know, mainstream, SCCA, NASA, stuff like that, pro racing. Uh, we don't restrict a lot of those things um, because it's more of a tuner builder class uh, or series. Um, what we are seeing more of this year, um, and I think it's, it's probably because people are getting more intense and the, the goals are changing to not only just be present but be competitive or, or be on the podium. Um, We've got some rules that make it possible for people to enter the season as a team. Yeah. And and because yeah. the grid life culture and you know this is this is competition among the buddies, we're we're seeing some people have the intent to race together, so that they can split costs and split travel and, and really yeah. like field the the most competitive car they can rather than um, like try and split their budgets and and really like be. Yeah. competing against each other. So I think this year that'll be it'll be interesting to see where that goes when you see a couple of similar guys who are both at the front of their class uh, sharing a car or switching between their two same cars and being team what's-his-face, you know, or whatever you want to call him. Uh, that'll be a change. We haven't well, had that before. And we saw that at Autobahn last year where um, Yonkers and Matt DeRoos, um were, were kind of co-driving... Brad's car mm -hmm. and and Matt was 
really adept at just jumping in and was was able to uh, outpace Brad in his own car. But what was interesting was that Brad was excited to see it because um, we've all been saying that we want to see Matt in a car with more power. And as soon as he was in it, he was already competitive. And so, like, people want to see each other develop. And I think that, that makes our that makes our thing. Uh, really interesting because uh, yeah, if it's if it's more about uh, if it's less you know ego stroking and I'm better than you and more about oh my gosh we can keep going faster and faster and faster all the time and that's rad and this is a cool event um, uh, it, it that's a I think that's a better culture and community so I, I would I, love to see that keep growing for sure I feel like it makes the events more sustainable because yeah. you're you're not trying to outspend your your buddy necessarily yeah um, instead you're just you you want the entire group to be faster than it was the and year you before. want his data so you can see what you can do better that's true yeah <laughs> so yeah that'll be fun I'm, I'm looking forward to that aspect too so uh, what's your five-year goal uh, for your own personal driving I want to spend more time uh, kind of going back to do de things I haven't been um, I want to do that same freaking thing. Like, exactly the same thing. I'm I'm nowhere near as good as I want to be, just like or, or comfortable as I want to be. I know that um, at at Road Atlanta, our first year at South, I I found myself driving faster than I was comfortable. Yeah. In an attempt to be on the podium or in, yeah. the, in the attempt to win, and I I like I was uncomfortable by that because I I thought to myself, this is how you wreck. You yeah. want to go faster, but you're not talented enough to go faster. That's how you, when you drive above your head, that's how you wreck. I, I want to drive more things, and I want to develop my two junk boxes into things. Uh, but I had a lot of fun at Track Day Picnic last year. Man, and it I was, love Track Day Picnic. It was, uh, you know, it's a simple little event, uh, and it's a good picnic. We had a great, we had a great barbecue. Um, those events are fun, man. Honda Meet last year. Almost nothing beats it. Yeah, right. Uh, chill events are fun. Well, so. well, we did the the standing start autocross style at Blackhawk. Um, maybe, maybe it's all in my head, but taking that step away from formalized competition with grid life and instead just like hopping in and doing some laps, uh, yeah. trying to match times with people that are you know screwing around with autocross, yep. immediately changed how I perceived it. And my goal was to just like have as much fun as possible. Yeah, and. I, I ran like two or three runs and was like decently quick, faster than my personal best there the year before, uh, even from a standing start. And yeah. it was just because I was into it and like super stoked about just being in the car and, and being able to rip on it. Mm -hmm. Not the, uh, if it's not fun, uh, you're doing it wrong. Um, and I think, uh, I think I've, there was a, there was about a year and a half there where I had more fun, uh, seeing the event grow but I, but it started to become started like I started losing some of the personal fun after my car got wrecked, uh, you know, through no fault of my own on the start of a race. And uh, like it when it's when it's not fun for you, you got to change it up because this hobby is you know there's no reason to do this if it's not fun. So, uh, and I yeah, guess that's why like my my role in too. in grid and doing time attack director things is exciting for me because I still get to engage and yeah watch awesome stuff happen and because i know the drivers personally it makes it it makes it really enjoyable to see someone that's like you know beat their personal best or or done something really exceptional with their yeah. setup or like 
to me, I get as almost as much gratification of doing that as I do being yeah. in the driver's seat. One of the one of my favorite moments of the year last year was round five, um, and I had spent a bunch of time talking to some of the drivers, and the one dude that uh, that I talked to, um, a, a, you know, rear-wheel drive Mustang HPD Plus, uh, he's. He's a, he was always up there, and, like, you know, you could see the car's got it, and he's not wheeling it bad, but, like, he's he's like, man, I just, I hate this turn, I hate that turn, I hate this turn. And so he just talked through a bunch of things, he tried things, and then he ran the track record. And seeing somebody, like, start to think their way through a lap and, and then set a record and seeing, like, you know, just the, uh, I don't know, the, like, couple of us were talking to him for like half an hour the night before and then he went out and did it and i i don't know it's uh, i didn't have anything to do with driving that car he he drove that lap uh, but you still you still enjoyed seeing it, oh right? it was great i i liked it more than you know myself getting in a car strapping in and uh and and running a wheel to wheel race like i thought oh man that is so rad like i was pumped uh it uh there, there's a lot of fun aspects to the hobby and part of it is just making these things happen and and if if we're gonna keep smashing records we're all gonna need to kind of rely on each other we smashed a lot of records last year how much faster can everybody go well actually um at at gingerman in 2017 every track record that we keep track of yeah uh was broken and and set in 2017 and that's like for every class for every drivetrain that is Unbelievable! That's pretty stupid. Because I didn't think that in 2016 any of the classes were particularly slow. No, no they weren't. Uh, and some of them were shattered by multiple seconds. Definitely. Uh, without without major rules changes. Like, the rules changes were more wording-wise and, like, tightening things up. We didn't give anybody 200 horsepower. Definitely not. Know? So, no, it's been fun, and I think it's going to be fun. But I think... Um, I, I've said this to people who will listen. I still think that there's multiple seconds left in the uh, both the, the track mod and street mod classes, and I'm I'm waiting for that ringer car to show up and really begin to prove the the performance potential for those classes. We haven't seen it yet, but I think it's close. I think yeah, I I think they're within a couple of seconds, but a couple of seconds is huge when you're already going that fast. So so my. My speculation is that we'll see maybe a, a 130, 131 at Gingerman in the track mod class, and I wouldn't be surprised to see a 135 in, in street mod uh, with without too much additional effort. That'd be really fast in a grocery getter, because you know it'd be like a four-door with full interior. Yeah, right. So dumb. So fast. On 200 treadwear tires. All right, well, we're almost back to your house, and we've done an hour, and my recorder is running low on batteries, so... Great job, Abe. Great job building an Evo and not totally ruining your life. And hopefully I can drive it home tonight. We'll see. If it sucks, I'll record by myself on the way home, and I'll put the knocking noises onto the <laughs> onto the podcast. You'll earn that explicit rating on uh, yeah. iTunes, right? I'll call you up, and you can earn the explicit rating. But... <laughs> All right, buddy. It's been a fun day, man. I uh, appreciate you coming on, and we, could, we filled some time here again. I'll probably put the ice battle one where I sound super tired, like right after this. I was uh, in beast mode driving. So. He, yeah. You sounded better than I did. So, All right. We'll talk to you guys soon. And rate and review us on iTunes. Share it with your friends. All that jazz.